0: You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year and welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am J.D. Rieger. This week on the show, we're ringing in the new year with my good friends and musical associates as of late, Mark Aiken and Jay Hines of the Subteens. As you may or may not know, I've spent the last few months working with the Subteens as a producer on their forthcoming new album. I traveled to Memphis several times for sessions last year and Mark and Jay even spent a few days in Chicago recording with me at my upstairs neighbor's studio. This conversation you're about to hear, however, was recorded in December in the studio on my last Memphis visit. But before we get to it, I'd like to share a short clip, a teaser if you will, of one of the new tunes we've been working on. This is just a piece of the new subteen song, I Don't Think It's Worth It. You enjoyed that. Really quick, I want to mention that we do get into some heavy stuff in this conversation, particularly in regards to addiction. But don't worry, there's plenty of music talk and, shall we say, other silliness to balance it out. So now, without further ado, here's me in the studio with Mark Aiken and Jay Hines from the subteens. Look out. Are we uh, too close? Or is this about right? I think you're good as long as you're not like. <clears throat> Singing, chattering <laughs> while like hovering over it and stuff. Have like that. you
1: ever stood at the ocean? <laughs> Here's with just talking, Talk the, talk the words.
0: <laughs>
2: Felt the endless <laughs> the thundering, thundering motion. <laughs> then I'd say, <laughs> I say You've you seen Jesus, my
1: Lord. Sing Jesus, <laughs> my <laughs> Lord. All right, let's actually do what he asked. Jay, I have a question for you. All right. Have you ever stood at a
2: mountain? With the white foam at my feet? Yes, with white foam at your feet. (laughs) Have you felt the endless thundering motion? Yes. (laughs) I did too.
1: (laughs) I think that's hell. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or Harding Academy. Then I'd say, you'd seen Jesus. (laughs) You've seen. My Lord.
2: Thundering, foamy motion.
1: (laughs) All right. That's a very sexual song.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you guys about like the history of the band and stuff, but since we're in the studio right now, having just finished a session working on the new record, and I haven't talked about that with Mark, so Mark, how do you feel things are going? Well, let me just start off. This <laughs> oh, sorry. Um,
2: I think Jake could probably better explain how I feel. Um, no, I feel great. I feel good. Uh, um, sort of... Stunned with how it's come out. Um, been a rough six months for me on a personal level with some family stuff, and I would think I was maybe kind of unable to see the forest for the trees. Um, <laughs> oh, the Jay's on his phone. On. Uh, I, I was a little unable to see the forest for the trees, and I'm not sure why, but for some reason, this weekend when we've been recording, uh, everything suddenly started to sound whole and complete and I'm really blown away
0: cool that's very succ- succinct into <laughs> <of> the podcast <laughs> that's all we needed guys all right <laughs> that's a wrap I know this is hard to even begin to get into probably but how long have you been friends how long have you guys known each other it's very painful to uh, talk
2: about when do we quit being friends uh just now okay <laughs> <laughs> um, we have known each other, I think, since we were four, five? I right.
1: Yeah, I think five. Yeah. yeah. It was first grade, I think. Because I had... Um, oh, God. I can't remember who my kindergarten teacher was. But I think you had somebody else. Or at first, least
2: first grade. Yeah.
0: Was that at Harding?
2: No, that was at Christ Methodist Day School.
0: And why did you guys migrate to Harding? Um, Well, for one thing, Christ Methodist only went to the sixth grade. Yeah. Uh,
1: so that was part of it, and then we both just lived right around the corner from Harding. So, yeah, gotcha. Kind of so, yeah, no I was in the Harding
0: Elementary system as well. You, okay, you really missed something. Okay,
1: <laughs> so I've heard.
0: So you got you got prepped early. When did you guys start playing music? Was that in high school or before that even? To, uh, like playing together,
1: or either just playing or. Period. Yeah, either individually or together. You want to go first?
2: Um, I think. The first band we were in together was probably when we were 20. So a long time ago. Um, I remember he got a bass Mm -hmm. and I was kind of jealous and I got a guitar.
1: And I only played bass because I couldn't find anybody anybody else to play the bass. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Uh Um,
2: (laughs) Smart move. (laughs) It it has served you well. Um, And then, yeah, so I got a guitar and we lived, we still uh, were living I think I was living with my mom and dad, and i may have I may have been living in a dorm, I don't remember, but um, yeah, we live close to each other, regardless, so we started playing together and writing very bad songs,
0: and uh basically kept Some doing that for change, yeah, exactly. do you remember what the first gig as the subteens was? I
2: do really? I think I do, yeah, I think it was at club six one six if any if you remember that. Uh, Sure, I saw the Ramones there. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, I'm sure that was a better show than ours. (laughs) Um, uh, I think it was at Club Six One Six, opening opening for the Killjoys from Canada. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
0: How did you get a gig at Six One Six to start? Because that was a that's a pretty big place. That was a very you know, it was like the Daisy. I was
2: working at Ardent at the time, and the band that we opened for, the Killjoys, fantastic freaking band. Mm -hmm. Highly, they're on YouTube. Amazing band. Um, they, uh, they were recording at Ardent and they had a gig there somehow they got a gig there and they needed an opener and someone came to me and said hey Mark don't you have a band I said yeah and that's how we got it and who was the drummer at that time oh god uh, Sean
1: that's right yeah John Sean was a drummer. <clears throat> the drummer and he
0: was in until
1: let's see if we started in 95 I think end of 96 I think he went back to New York did he it, was the drummer on the tape, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. That's Satan right. never sleeps,
2: which we have the, the picture <laughs> right back there. But I guess no one can see it. I thought um, it was called "You Win." Wow. Yes, <laughs> you are correct. Yes, the first one was called "You Win," and then the I one I with we, Coach Bottaferd on the cover with Coach That's Botiford, right. Memphis Harding Academy. Man, you know your stuff, <laughs> dude.
0: That is, and then, I didn't know about the second one. I only have "You Win." It's oh,
2: the same tape, just under with
0: different artwork. Yeah, oh, sort okay. of a mulligan. Ooh. Yeah. So why did you change the did name? no one asked for? It. <laughs> did you think "U Win" was too goofy? Or um, I don't know. Did Coach Spofford threaten to sue? I don't think so. You actually talked
1: to him and got his permission. You called him and said, "We have this photo and we'd like to use it for this." No, I, sh- I showed no. it to him
0: in like eleventh, and when I was yeah, Jay- in eleventh or twelfth grade, I showed it to no, him. No, 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 no.
1: At some point you asked you called him or you attempted to contact him because you said he called back and said, Is everything okay? Like he thought there was something wrong. And I thought maybe you uh, would talk to him about it then, but maybe he just that discussion never actually happened. But I do know I remember you saying that he tried to call you back and was like, Hey, are you okay? Wow. Well, that was compassionate. <laughs> he
0: was kind of a sweet guy, as I yeah, recall. Yeah.
1: That's that's a nice thing to do.
0: You remember you played kickball with Coach Bonifort?
2: We were play, well, we were play kickball or maybe like wiffle ball or something. But it was in the gym, I remember, so it couldn't have been like full-on baseball. Um, some some sort of game where we had to run bases. And Coach Bodiford would just sit in the bleachers and read, the, read his paper and not show any interest in the game at all. And if there was some kind of confusion over, or disagreement over was a runner out, and we'd start arguing with each other, and we'd look to Coach Botifer to settle the issue, and he'd come out from behind his paper with no knowledge of what just happened. He'd just stand up and go, he's out! <laughs> I still remember <laughs> seeing him do that. Get all dramatic like an
1: Regardless of whether he was actually out or safe. Correct. <laughs> I never got to talk about my musical past. No? You sort of jumped in where we started playing together. Well,
0: neither of you really spoke about your pre-subteens or pre, you know, your individual origin stories.
1: It's true. So I started taking piano lessons when I was seven until I was about 17 and decided to learn how to play guitar. Why can't you play piano? <laughs> Why can't I play bass? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I played guitar for a little bit, and then that's when I switched over to bass. Mm. That's all I was going to say. And you started playing guitar in high school or just after high school?
2: Yeah, I got a, I got a Hondo uh, Eddie Van Halen, sort of that weird red and black. Looks like it has electrical it had, tape on oh, it. Oh, I thought it
1: was more like a tiger stripe kind of thing.
2: No, in I mean, my memory, is it's red and black. Yeah, yeah I got a Hondo. My dad uh, got me one, I think, for my 18th birthday, or maybe 17th.
0: Was okay. this before getting into punk rock, or were you already into it at this point?
2: I was into at that point. I was mostly into hard rock, but I was just like classic what, what classic rock, but. Uh, was just getting into like sex pistols and suicidal tendencies. Those that was I was listening to a lot of that.
1: Was that when you started hanging around the skate shop? Cheapskates? Yeah.
2: That? Yeah. That was in our senior year with Wade. Okay. Hanging out at hanging around cheapskates, yeah. Gotcha. Over on Getwell. Which I think is still there. I think Cheapskates is still there. I, think I couldn't skateboard. Good. I don't know why I hung out in the skate shop. It was a it was a cool shop. Yeah. Ron Hale, cool guy. Yeah. Nice guy. You still let us hang out, and we would sit outside and listen to uh, what band was he in? Then the Scam, was he in the Psychic Scam? Plows. Psychic Plowboys, maybe that. Maybe that was it. I We'd think that's right. Sit outside in the dark on Get Well and listen to them practice.
0: I never really hung out there. I wasn't a skater though, so I thought there was no reason for me to go.
2: I wasn't either, and there was no I also reason. lived in
0: Raleigh. That's yeah, a hike. I, yeah, that's a, that is a hike. I grew up near-ish there.
1: Yeah. I think I bought a T-shirt there once or twice. Yeah, suicidal tendencies. I think mm-hmm. was one of them.
0: The earlier incarnation of the subteens, the pre-Bubba version, I guess. I get was. Would you say it was a bit more college-rocky and a less punk-rocky kind of a thing? Yeah. Well, that
1: was uh, that was, more was jangly. Sh- yeah, that was Sean's. Um, he was more into what did, what kind of stuff like the church and bands like that and so all three of us were writing songs and so that was I would say that was his uh, contribution and then after let's see let's see if we can remember all the drummers so it was Sean for like the first year and Jeremy Um, Daniel was after Sean right no Sean Jeremy Daniel what
2: (laughs) hell I don't know I can't I can name them Sean Jeremy Daniel Christine Christine I think Jason Hatcher for a minute maybe I don't remember that and then who I
0: just saw the other night in Jonesboro oh nice Nice Uh, he came to our show okay super nice guy
1: yeah I don't remember him playing with us okay
0: who was the drummer of the band when you were going in to record Burn Your Cardigan, because I know you brought Bubba in kind of halfway, right? <laughs> no, so we
2: recorded Burn Your Cardigan with Christine from the Chubbies uh, while they were in town doing their record and kind of hanging out here. We recorded Burn Your Cardigan with them uh, and then, uh, for whatever reason, decided to, to redo it and found Bubba. You might could tell the story better than me. We, so we go into oh,
1: definitely new star recording with
2: probably <laughs> I
1: My memory is we were sitting in the studio listening back to everything. We're like, you know what? We should, we should probably just kind of scrap this and start over. And it was raining. Very, it was like a monster. pouring down rain. Yeah. And uh, somebody said, hey, we should just call Bubba to come start over with us. And everybody kind of had a big laugh. And then it got quiet for a second. And then somebody goes, anybody got his number? And we actually found him where I, I got this part wrong the last time we talked about it. We found him. He was somewhere. at a bar called, which isn't there anymore. I think it's the Blue Monkey now.
2: Or it's, it, actually, there's nothing there, but it was basically where the Blue Monkey uh, downtown is. He's at a bar called the South End. And we found him down there drinking <laughs> coffee. Eating and uh, yeah, when, I remember going to pick him up. And uh, went and got him, got his drums, drove him to the studio, and we tried by Buster's. I think we had to
0: Did get we? him
1: something to drink. Okay, for, <laughs> to record. ain't nothing changed. And, uh,
0: <laughs> so we. Uh, hey man, when I had you play on something for me like 20 years ago, you know what your payment request was? I bottle of something. Bless America. I don't know. <laughs> case of Budweiser. Nice. Did you pay me? Uh, I got. Or am
2: I owed a case of Budweiser? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, actually, believe it or not, um, I was—I uh, think my mom bought me the beer for to give to you because okay. I was broke and I was like out with my. I was like, "Oh crap! I'm supposed to get this beer from Mark Aiken," so I think my mom gave either gave me the money or went with me to the store to buy the beer for you. Okay. Yeah. Well,
2: okay, I'll, I'll trust that your mother made good on that. Maybe it was just a
0: 12-pack. Maybe I'm overstating it with a case, but it was definitely Budweiser. Okay.
2: Well. A reasonable transaction. I, think I, would, I would say my playing is worth about a 12-pack of beer, 12-pack of domestic. I wasn't criticizing. I was just saying
0: that maybe you learned it from him. I might, I might have. Yeah.
1: The best part of the Bubba story, though, is that um, he had had like one practice with us, I think, yeah. and he got all those drum tracks done in like a take yeah. or two.
2: he did. He nailed them all in, in
0: three takes tops. Did the songs change from when the previous drummers were playing them to when he was playing them? I don't remember. I doubt it. Maybe a little more driving.
2: Oh, I thought you meant like arrangement-wise. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a little more powerful. Oh, I mean,
0: I'm sure that the difference between... I mean, no offense to uh, Her Name Escapes Me. Yeah. Christine. Christine. But, you know, Bubba plays a lot harder than she did.
1: He plays a lot harder than most drummers. Most human beings. I just found uh, an old article in the Flyer that said Bubba played the drums like he was trying to kill small animals. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That sums it up. He's mellowed a bit with age. A a tiny bit. But, you know, he's just kind of back down to, like, the mortal heavy hitters range now.
2: He's back down here with the rest of us.
0: (laughs) At this point, the band does sort of take off a little bit. Do you think it was because of the record, or was it because you started playing more punk rock style shows? What What was the the real transition point for the band? I, if I may take this one, sir. You'll have your say, and I'll have my say. Um. Because I remember for a while, I mean, you know, you guys were playing on the Highland Strip with the yeah. Henrys at one point. Yeah. And then the next time I saw you was down in the basement with Pez and you're like hanging from the ceiling. It was like, whoa. oh, yeah. And I, I was like, that. whoa, the Subteens are punk now. Yeah,
2: I remember that. Um, a lot of that, I think we just sort of started figuring out our own voice as we kind of transitioned through drummers. And um, I remember... Basically, I remember when we started seeing people that we didn't know on a first-name basis at shows was when Christine joined.
1: That's what I was gonna say.
2: Yeah, it, it was when when Christine joined it was kind of, and I don't know why. I mean, but you know, for whatever reason, that was kind of when we started
1: drawing people that we weren't calling and asking to come to the gig
0: the Chubbies had their own kind of a following
1: Chubbies were a good band there was actually a period of time where we agreed to learn their songs and they learned our songs yeah and we played as a four piece and we I think we played exactly we played a subteen show with them yeah and then we played a Chubby show like you and I played with them as the Chubbies we played a
2: Parallax with them that's right and the Map Room
1: but it was like one one off each and then uh, Christine kept playing with us but yeah. that was when we really started getting traction was when the chubbies moved to town and we had a woman drummer i think i don't know if it was a novelty kind of thing or if people were just showing up to see who the chubbies were i remember but, it was kind of an event when they moved here like i would hear people talking about that yeah. at the pizza cafe
2: i think that had a lot to do with it too i think that in a lot of ways i don't know how it is now but back then the chubbies moved here and like jay said they were kind of a novelty and you know they're a good band they're talented they're cute they're high energy
1: they're new and for people who don't know the Chubbies were a two-piece female band Mm -hmm. from long beach california
2: they did pretty well they toured with the offspring i remember Mm -hmm. um and it was kind of almost like the cool kids started like like we being the nerds got invited to sit at the cool kids table the harding you know and all of a sudden, because, oh, the Chubbies are hanging out with the subteens, well, maybe the sub-teens are worth paying attention to, you know, uh, maybe we are, maybe we aren't, but that, I do remember that that definitely kind of had something to, somehow lended some kind of credibility that
1: we didn't have before. And we weren't just playing to the bartender and our girlfriends anymore. Correct. Like, I remember that we played a show with Christine, and I remember looking around going, who are all these people?
0: Yeah. So... So then you make the record. Bubba's in the band now. At what point do you guys start playing a bunch of shows with Lucero? Man, I don't know. That's a good question. And then, I mean, other highlights. I, would, I mean, I know you guys did some big stuff after the record. I yeah. know you got a review in, what was it, Billboard?
2: Yeah, Billboard mm-hmm. and uh,
0: CMJ, I think, wrote something. Mm-hmm. College Music Journal. And you did some some touring. You mm-hmm. went up and played at... Uh, CBGB's, didn't you? Yeah, we played CBGB's. We played the CMJ Music Fest. Yeah, play, got mm-hmm. to play that in New York. That was fun. What was CBGB's like? I've never... I never got to play there. It... Um, were you? I was gone. Oh. Um, so I feel like we're going to be skipping around probably. Yeah. <laughs> so Jay had... Because the cor- the chronology of all of this is honestly unknown to me. So I'm just like kind of... These are things that I remember from the story. <laughs> um, I mean, CB's was basically like playing any
2: other... Kind of hole in the wall, you know. It was neat. there was. A, I don't know why. There you was didn't a,
0: feel the spirit of Johnny Thunders or whoever the fuck.
2: I didn't, but I was also probably high as shit on cocaine, too. What so, year
1: would that have been? Two thousand three, or was that earlier? I think that was three. Yeah, I think oh, that was right.
2: three. That was right before we broke up. Uh, when my when my when my drugs when my drug use got that was really when it was getting out of hand. Um, but from what I remember, I know there was a good crowd. And this was a cool moment, man. Like, uh, I remember driving into the city, or taxiing into the city, and uh, no, we wouldn't have been taxiing, we would have been in the van. Uh, Driving into the city and seeing like sub-teens posters up on telephone poles in New York, that was kind of cool. And uh, that is cool. And then, uh, I'm jealous. No, (laughs) you you didn't miss much. Yeah, and then we played and there was a good crowd. It was fun.
0: I feel like we have now, since we've addressed the fact that there was an, an area where Jay wasn't in the band, mm-hmm. I guess we have to say why. You okay. said a little bit on the podcast previously, previously because it was, you know, you had yeah. just had a, had a child.
1: Yeah. Uh, my son Ian was born in October of 2001, and by maybe February or March, um, I was just thinking about this the other day. I remember driving to a show with Terrence, who was our second guitarist for a period of time, Terrence Bishop. And I was driving, and he was in the passenger seat, and I we had this conversation. I said, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to do this much longer. And he was like, Oh, what's going on? And we kind of talked about the the family thing. And so by the early part of 2002, I was I had tapped out. Uh, and then how much longer y'all played until what did you say 2003 or so 2000? I think
2: like early part of 2004 okay. was when uh, Bubba and Terrence quit because when when Jay quit. Uh, Terrence just kind of moved over from second well from other guitar to uh to bass. He's a very talented bass
0: player, obviously. And uh and then it's interesting that you would bring him in on guitar because I, I don't know if I've seen him play guitar in any other band but yours. You know, it's funny, he he wasn't a particularly uh
2: seasoned guitar player, but he got He's up got, to
1: speed really quick. He got
2: up to speed really quick. He's got such a good ear for music. He's got such a good ear for songs in general, that he was really. I, I think it worked better than bringing in somebody with you know, a couple of decades of playing under their belt, because he just was so simple. And obviously, our music is so simple. Well, you know, we try to keep it simple at least. Uh, that he was
1: really able to just kind of do what the song needed. And he was already. He would travel any time we'd go out of town. He would go with us. just to kind of hang out or roadie or whatever and so it was really easy yeah you're already here I remember when we asked him we were in New York
2: and for some (laughs) reason we were at the Continental the Continental Club watching some band and I talked to Jay and said hey man when we get back we should just ask Terrence because he was up he was in New York with us for whatever reason when I said let's uh, let's uh, you want to ask him to play guitar and I guess you agreed and yep so I walked over at the Continental and asked him if he wanted to be a guitar player and he said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, and that was it. And I remember that night at the Continental, Jay was very, very excited because if you bought a beer, you could get a shot of Stoli Orange for $1. What? And that had made his <laughs> effing night. What? Yeah. I do not remember that. I do remember that. I think that was the night.
1: Stoli Orange.
2: I'm not going to go into Let's just say Bubba got very, very excited about Going to see the Donnas play. The Donnas yeah, were playing yeah. that night, and uh, Bubba went to see the Donnas.
1: But the uh, the <laughs> other mystically, reason...
0: <laughs> <laughs> air quotes. He went to see the Donnas.
1: But um, so we've talked about this a little bit before. But the other reason it was easy for me to leave was because it had been like seven years or something like <laughs> that, and I kind of felt like, all right, this is we had a good run and. This is kind of it. And then you were kind of doing, you know, you were doing your thing. What was my thing? Uh, Okay. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: Yeah. Yes. I I made it. I was very difficult to be in a band with at the time.
0: Do you remember how anything with it? Do you remember how and, and why, I mean the why, I don't know if you want to get into like the, you know, the pain that caused you to make that choice or whatever, but um.
2: (laughs) the stupidity, but do you
0: remember how that started? I mean, was it innocent? like everyone else would, like you would think, just innocently enough, and then it, was it like balled? a
1: bald? It was a party thing that just sort of got away from you? Um,
2: that's a good question. Um, and I will answer, honestly, in the event that someone else might be listening and, and want to know, maybe, or you know, hear, just hear someone else's story. Um, I remember I was shooting pool in a bar, and uh, a guy that I knew was a Coke dealer came in, and for some reason, I have no idea. For the love of God, I don't know why. I went up to him and asked him if he had any, and you know, he said yeah. And I bought a bag of cocaine <laughs> from <Yeah>. him, <laughs> and uh, and then I snorted that cocaine, and um, and then I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do from now on.
1: I'm gonna spend all my money on this.
2: Yeah but uh, so that was how it you know I guess logistically
0: began Uh, I mean I can tell you my story for like how I got into like heavy drinking was because like I was in a relationship and it went sour and I had never drank or did you know never smoked Mm -hmm. weed or anything and then like had this really bad breakup and I was just like just anything I could get my. I'll hand show on. you. Yeah, you know, um, just trying to, you know, be able to sleep or whatever. Yeah, when you're in that much pain
2: emotionally, and, and then you, whatever your thing is, whether it's alcohol or cocaine or whatever, when you're in that state of mind and you're that, can we cuss on here? Sure. When you're that fucked up in the heart and head, and then you do th- this thing, whatever it is, and instantly all of that goes away then it's so easy to become reliant on it because it's like pushing a button. just, oh, I'm feeling something. I can push this button, do cocaine, drink, whatever, and make it all go away. And if you don't have the, my opinion, this is all just my opinion. If you don't have the maturity to to understand that you're doing it because you're completely coming apart internally, then you're just going to keep doing it. And it doesn't take long to completely wreck a whole lot of things that are very important to you.
0: This got dark very quickly. <laughs> well, that's what we do, man. We get dark and then we go back
2: <laughs> to, to the, the light.
0: Good night. <laughs> nice.
2: You brought it full I want, circle. I want props for catching that too.
0: <laughs>
2: I saw that coming. I telegraphed it a little bit, a teeny bit. He didn't. Jay didn't get it.
0: But I uh, I So I don't
2: know if that answers your question or not, but, you know, I will say this, uh, you know, if anybody out there is struggling with addiction, there is absolutely an easier, softer way. It does not have to be that way every day. And I promise you this, you will never, ever, ever wake up and say,
0: fuck, I wish I'd spent all my money on cocaine last night. <laughs> You'll never say that. Time out. Before we get back to the subteens, I'd like to mention that Back to the Light Records artist Jeremy Scott, who you may know from the band's Raining Sound and the Toy Trucks, among others, has a new single and video out this week. You can check it out and pre-order the new Jeremy Scott vinyl LP, Bear Grease, at backtothelight.net. I don't don't know if you got this way, but I got to a place to where it originally started as like a numbing thing, but, uh, you know alcohol is a depressant Mm. and past a certain point you're basically just pouring gasoline on a flame Mm -hmm. quite literally maybe uh, as far as depression goes Mm -hmm. like there was no like there was no relief anymore for me it was just miserable yeah I don't does it get that way with cocaine or is it always fun
2: no it's not fun for very long at all Um, at least in my experience Uh, it, it, it just consumes everything I mean you can't you can't have a normal anything everything has to have cocaine in it and you can't be an attentive parent you
0: well that's alcohol for me was the same it got to be where like I always had to have some sort of low level at least yeah you know to even you know to not be sick like a layer of cotton (laughs) to buffer
1: would you do the thing like where you had a drink as soon as you woke up
0: oh pretty much towards the end yes wow Hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, not at first I mean you got to work up to that yeah right And sure.
2: Every, ever, ever, you know, there's as many kind of addictions as there are addicts, as as the saying goes. But um,
0: uh, at what point did that start to be a problem for the band?
2: I, 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 I uh, sorry. <laughs> um, um, From my memory, at least, I mean, I think, you know, the when it was a glaring problem, was, and I think Jay had long quit at this point. When it was a glaring problem, was when I quit showing up for gigs. And that was Bubba and Terrence's last straw. Well, you know, because those guys have such a solid I could rep- see them
0: not abiding that.
2: No, of course not. They have a they have and they and then they had also, they had and have a very solid reputation, you know, as reliable quality as a reliable quality rhythm section. And they weren't gonna squander that on my sitting in a room and doing cocaine and not showing up for a gig um when there's X number of people there who have paid money to get in. Uh, So they just wouldn't abide it and they quit. I would say probably, and Jay, you know, I'm sure can attest to this and have his own take on it, Uh, before, you know, long before that, it turned me, and I would imagine it turns most people, it certainly turned me into just an egotistical control freak, which I kind of have that in me anyway. Uh, So cocaine only magnified that. And I can't imagine what I must have been like to be in a band with. Before it became this gigantic gargantuan problem, <laughs> does that make sense? Sure. Yeah,
1: I remember we, uh, the, uh, we've talked about this before that uh, the creative part is what I like about being in a band, and we quit practicing, which means we quit writing songs. Mm-hmm. And so that was it and just that, be, it just became about the show and the party. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And but uh, we weren't
2: bringing anything new to the show because we weren't writing new songs and we weren't practicing.
1: Right. And so that was kind of the beginning of, I think, that phase. Mm. That's probably when I first noticed it. And you would do this thing. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mark has a tell when he is acting like he's listening to you, but he's not listening to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's it <laughs> that's the tell and i was getting that all the time we weren't having like a real conversation like i would try to talk to you i would you know and you would oh, yeah. and you'd. <laughs> there it is again <laughs> look at my socks <laughs> uh, his socks say something his socks say fuck you they say best friends <laughs> Yeah, but so, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about before, about how it was was pretty easy for me to leave when the time came. You felt unseen and unheard. Yeah, yeah, and we weren't writing anymore. Yeah. Which was the fun part.
0: Did you or did anyone ever approach Mark and say, hey, man, maybe you should cool it on this stuff? Did anybody approach you? I want to say a lot of people probably did, you know.
2: I remember... Uh, I was bartending in Midtown, and even like some serious. I remember one of my coke dealers like told me one time, like, "Man, I just I don't feel comfortable selling to you anymore." Wow. But and at the same time, I don't want to go down that total dark rabbit hole. uh, But um, (laughs) no, no. uh, But yeah, a lot of people uh, I'm sure told me,
1: you know, you need to knock it off, dipshit. There was a. One time after I quit where you called to see if you could borrow my bass and rig for some show, and I knew that you were way off the deep end. I can't remember who, what band it would have been for even. Hmm. And, and you were, you said, hey, can I borrow your, your gear? And I said, um, this was awkward. <laughs> I said, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I'm not really comfortable with oh, that. Oh man,
2: I'm cringing. Because <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I didn't know if I'd ever see it again. And, uh, uh. and you said, okay. I, I would have been surprised if you'd said yes. And that was kind of how the call ended. And uh that, yeah. that feels uncomfortable. That yeah. feels un, it yeah. just got
2: uncomfortable in here. You were a little bit and that, yeah. that was
1: that was I'm sorry. That was other mark, you know. I have yeah. talked to you before about that was other mark, you know. And yeah,
2: that's what that stuff does, man. I'm uh it, it just again, I, I can't say what it does for other people, but for me, I got so just single mindedly focused on fucking cocaine and what you want and
0: anyway and um, do you think that the the missed opportunity of the band if there is one is not capturing that four piece lineup before it fell apart I like being a four piece I I love not being the only guitar player
1: I I fucking love it Uh, what was the first part of the question a missed
0: opportunity yeah that that y'all didn't record that the second record wasn't Jay and Terrence, not just Terrence.
1: I feel like that record would have been totally different if I'd been there. But at the same time, you guys were so off doing your thing. I don't know how much of an impact I would have had. I can see it. I can see it going both well, ways. Well, I, I want to clarify.
2: I, even at that point, like I was the only one doing shit tons of drugs. You know, Jay and uh, Terrence and Bubs were you know they've always been able to keep their shit together, and uh but they were they were fine it it was me um
1: I just mean like um as far as like a creative direction, oh uh, gotcha, I feel like it might have gone differently
0: that you guys were going in a more i don't know hard rock direction, less replacement C that was a weird time um
2: you know we we memphis records young avenue sound signed us and they were very very generous and patient they were very very generous and patient
0: did you hear cameron's uh, what he said about you on, on no. the podcast oh god it was interesting no he, no, was, he said it was
1: very complimentary
0: and he said the reason that they signed the subteens was because they felt that the studio was in desperate need of like street cred and like the rock community mm. and so he felt that you know, regardless of anything else, he said that just the fact that the sub-teens made this record at Young Avenue Sound really helped them at the time. So Oh, good. It was well, that's worth, good.
1: It. it was worth it. He, yeah, he felt yeah. like they had got what they wanted. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yes, yeah. yeah.
0: exact words, I think.
2: Well, that's great. God knows they didn't make shit off that record. <laughs> uh, so that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, but they were incredibly generous, incredibly patient. And... um you know we, we had a, a great producer named willie Paveer who uh really really uh, he had come down here from nashville i think he'd done a lot of country stuff and came down here to kind of be their in-house producer and we worked with him and uh, i guess i would say if anything there was never a super clear vision of what the record was going to sound like
0: um and then i think maybe is that is that Jay's role a little bit? Helping clarify things and whittle things down? Yeah. I have been described
1: as the visionary in the band many times by you. By me? Yeah. Don't you remember? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably high on cocaine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, I, I would say J- Jay definitely can fucking reel me in. Because you know?
0: <laughs> I remember my first appreciation for, for that was when you guys came in on the reunion tour or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. When you came in to do that song at our studio in like 2007 and Jay was brought in to kind of just help finish the song. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's maybe that was the missing piece. It is absolutely. And I'll say this, I mean, because uh, Terrence played a huge role in that recording still very much. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. he played most of the bass, if not all of it, no, he played second guitar. Jay played bass. Oh, did he? Yeah. He,
1: I think a bass line was laid down, and then I came in and re-recorded it. Maybe. Okay. I
0: think there was definitely some. There was some confusion. I remember, like, who, like who's going to play bass? They're both here. Uh, <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> um, I, I really, really
2: trust Jay to, like, I, I can just look at Jay and say, does this suck or does it not suck? And if Jay says it sucks, then it sucks. If Jay says it doesn't <laughs> suck, then it doesn't suck. I, I truly rely on him that much in our songwriting process, and our and our creative process, and our everything process. Um, Thank you, sir. Oh, you're welcome. I, I can become very, very untethered in in all areas of my life very easily if I don't have these anchors. And so, Jay is definitely the for me at least the creative anchor. I just rely on him a lot. I feel like I should put my arm around him right now. <laughs> While we try, um, let me scoot closer. I just, no, don't. Um, I just rely on him a lot, you know. And I think when he left the band, uh, I was sort of left to my own devices and just to kind of run rampant in whatever direction was attractive at the moment. And obviously, that's no way to make a record. So, yeah, uh, I'd forgotten the original question, but. Um,
1: I, I do kind of feel like, from the outside looking in, I do feel like y'all had gone in sort of a harder rock direction and less maybe replacements or um less subteeny whoever we were compared to before yeah exactly
2: oh sloppy rock but and some of that was that the label wanted a fucking record that they could put on the radio and i don't blame them they did invest a lot of money in that and they they wanted what they wanted and they made it very clear and they wanted something that they could get some kind of airplay and what that was their expectation and that was the sound that we ended up going for
1: this is a two-way street I should probably say too this is not just Mark blowing smoke up my ass Uh, there are many times when he'll say you got a better one do it again and he's right so Mm. it's a partnership yeah and and not just blowing smoke it it is
2: true and it was funny because when we first started trying to record or uh, record over at uh, at, at the other place Five and Dime recording um, we hadn't done it in so long we hadn't written in so long we really kind of didn't get along at first and then finally we kind of were able to fall back into sync and and write together and work together and that has been cool it feels feels good again
1: now we're engaged now we are engaged and uh, Uh, we haven't set a date but yeah but there's a ring (laughs) did you buy me one get away from me (laughs) (laughs) that was me dropping to one knee for yes
2: Awkward. <laughs>
0: do you remember? Well, I guess, probably first not. of all, the, the first question would be how long was the band dormant? And then do you remember what the inspiration for picking it back up was? I do. Uh,
2: I remember exactly how, uh, I mean, I, I remember exactly how I remember it. Um, we were dormant probably four years and uh i went to the high tone one night because i i had caused a lot of fucking damage i had pissed a lot of people off you know i owed a lot of people money i'd done a lot of shit that a lot of people were upset about so i kind of hid downtown for like a year and a half maybe two years you know
1: what time period would this have been that would have been like 04 to 06 okay
2: and uh was uh you know uh didn't do anything and then eventually uh, started dating this girl uh, who had moved here and she didn't really know anything about the subteens or whatever and she wanted to go to Midtown and do stuff and I could only kind of hold that off for so long <laughs> and eventually... I'd rather not <laughs> <laughs> don't you want to just walk around downtown while I wear this bag <laughs> this over my couch head this couch is so comfortable <laughs> it's such a comfy couch <laughs> um, anyway so blah 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 one night uh, oh
0: about your girlfriend
1: what so blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, sugar. <laughs> Nice, nice. I get it. Um, are we back to the light again? We are
0: back to
2: the light. <laughs> um, we went to see Bobby Bear Jr., uh, who I think is
0: a fantastic songwriter. We went to see Bobby and Bear. And now in Guided by Voices.
2: No, God, don't tell me that. No, I is. fucking hate Guided by That's Voices. Right.
0: Yeah, he's been in Guided by Voices for many years yep. now. Uh, yeah. We can cut this part out, right? No. I mean, you're allowed to not like Guided by Voices. I just saw him live like three
2: weeks ago. God, that fucking band um oh anyway uh They're old stuff I, you know i don't want to talk about it anymore
0: <laughs> i won't do this so we went
2: to see bobby bear jr who i used to have a lot of respect for <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> who doesn't know who the fuck i am and doesn't care if i respect him <laughs> um we went to see bobby bear jr and brett crock was bartending at the high tone brett crock from 80 katie And he said that people had been asking about a sub-teens show. And I was kind of like, look, man, those dudes don't want to fucking talk to me. And he said, well, let me talk to him. So I think he talked to Bubba and Terrence or whatever. Anyway, um, we ended up all kind of hugging it out. And kind of turned out everybody didn't hate me as bad as I thought they did. And people were actually happy to see. Well, Jay didn't hate everybody but Jay hated me. Um, so, anyway, uh, we ended up doing a show at the Young Avenue Deli in like 2007. Mm-hmm. And it uh, was well received. And then I think that was like right after that, was when we did the uh, makeshift five thing.
0: Never going to happen.
2: Never going to mm-hmm. happen. Yep. Uh, I had, I think I wrote that song.
0: And then we went dormant again. And then we went dormant again. But you played a few shows here and there, you know, yeah, sporadic yeah, reunions. Yeah. 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 But you haven't been in the studio or worked on new material until now. No, the last studio
2: thing we did was that, um, that makeshift five thing. Well, there was the five and time stuff too, but we have uh, nothing that's going to get released. So this is the first that will get released.
0: I consider that part of this, uh, the larger scheme of this whole project. So yes, that was like pre-production, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice. But yeah. We like
1: from 2007 till when did we start playing shows like fairly regularly again? Do you remember? I mean,
2: I remember playing like 2008. Too. We played something at Ardent, we played
0: something at the Mid South Fair. We played at the um, we played in Little Rock a couple
1: of times. Gibson
0: Guitar Lounge, we played something there, yeah. A couple of times, yeah. yeah we had you play at Rock for Love or some yeah. something. That was a, that some was Punk
1: it. Fest. We did a couple of Punk Fests, I we think. We did some Elvis thing down at the Gibson Guitar Lounge, did we? Yep, some BBC crew showed up. No, that was before we... That was pre... That was before 2007? Yeah.
2: Mm. yeah. I remember that. Damn cocaine. Damn cocaine. Yeah, the BBC crew showed up and yeah. asked us questions. and I did an interview. Or an interview. I stood there while they asked questions, and I was drunk as shit and just talking about, like, the only thing that matters is, do you have girls at your show? And uh, that was my <laughs> my moment. And... Watch out, UK. <laughs>
0: Mr. Aiken's coming. When this record comes out, or do you think, I mean, I guess the obvious question is, is the band going to play, at least locally, yeah, play a bunch man. of shows and stuff like that? Oh, hell yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I hope so. Love I, I love playing live. That, that's that's
2: my favorite part of the whole thing. The studio is too... Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just get too much anxiety. But I, fuck, I love playing live.
0: Is it the fact that what you do in that moment is going to last forever and that sort of adds too much pressure to the situation makes you clam up is that what it is or is it just you you need that energy of the live fans man
1: (laughs) chanting your name
0: well i think
2: it's kind of like because when i'm in the studio with you guys everything I do you say sucks and when we're <laughs> live everybody claps
0: So that's not true that, that is not true uh, I don't know I don't know you don't would know. say and people will think that's true Mark that's not true that's not true uh,
2: I don't know I don't know it's just it's nerve-wracking to me I know you love Jay loves it you know that's studio? your yeah, yeah that's yeah. your
1: favorite part I get nervous playing shows why Mm-hmm. like nobody's even listening that's you true. just make nobody mistakes and nobody even baseball. notices that's yeah. to me
0: that's the frustrating part when someone puts on your record they're at least making a semi-conscious choice half the time it shows you know especially if you're playing some goofy place like the deli where half the audience is just there because it's the deli and it's Friday and woo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know um, that to me gets really frustrating
1: the worst is when you play somewhere it's like an event and everybody just has their back to you uh, it's like why aren't yeah. we even doing this just that doesn't right. really happen anymore no, but there we we've, yeah, we've played to. our share.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, it used to happen all the time.
1: But I guess what, uh,
2: yeah, it's just you know if you make a mistake, it's gone in real time and everybody's dropping. <laughs> but um, yeah, plus, plus I'm just. Do you like the social part of it too, or does that? I that, used to, and now I get anxiety from that because I'm not fucked up. So. I was about to say that. that <laughs>
0: that's part of the anxiety in it for me too. Is that I feel pressure to have small, talky, chit-chat yeah. encounters with people, and I feel very self-conscious in those situations. But
1: that's what you're good at, because you, you meaning Mark, not JD, are an extrovert, and you... i mean I'm not, though. But you everywhere we go, somebody's like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? And you know somebody everywhere we go. And uh, it's because you are... If you're not an extrovert, you're at least good with people. And I would describe myself more as an introvert. So maybe that's... Hmm. Maybe that's I don't
2: fun. mind small talk I Very just I, I just think years of being at shows with like you know completely numbed up with a variety of ingested chemicals like that's where you met everybody, yeah, I don't know <laughs> I wish I were a better guitar player. that's really the main thing i wish I wish Me I were a better too. guitar <laughs> <laughs> we walked into that one <laughs>
1: uh, finally, we agree on something. Uh-huh. You're a good guitar player You're a great guitar player I won't hear it
0: Anyway Where were we? (laughs) Do you think that this Like the back and forth Because you guys You guys pick at each other And then Bubba gets drawn into it sometimes And I've found myself getting Sucked into it lately Because that is just your vibe Is it Is it counterproductive sometimes?
1: Uh, I don't know We Uh, should probably say that we don't fuck with anybody that we don't love yeah if, if we're not messing with you
0: we don't like you well i don't know if that i mean that's a bit of a stretch <laughs> no <laughs> um do you, well i guess maybe the question is do you guys always know that you're kidding or is there ever a time where uh, where you get hurt feelings and it's eh, like, okay maybe that i mean too at this much. point like uh
2: because you guys I, go in yeah, we do. No, I don't know. I mean, Jay doesn't ever hurt
1: my feelings. See, uh, I don't think you never even commented on something. You posted the thing on Facebook, y'all playing outside the gym. Yeah. And somebody commented and said, hey, buddy, I didn't know you play guitar. Oh, yeah.
2: He says you can't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I said he doesn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but I, at least I will say I don't mess with, I mean, I don't mess with anybody unless they know that I'm just teasing them because I care right. about
2: them. Well, yeah, I mean, we go in, but it's not like... You know, like my God, that beard makes you look so much fucking older. <laughs> Jesus Christ, were you high when you picked those glasses out? Oh my God.
0: Maybe. Do you and your wife sleep in the same room? Is this a roast battle, Jay? You're on now.
1: <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I'm on the spot. Hold on, I'm texting my son. <laughs> yeah, he's looking I'll up be, insults. I'll be right with you.
2: Yeah. no, I don't know. I mean, we've just been doing it so long. It, it doesn't. It just. It's just fun. It, it makes it fun. Keeps it laughing. Don't hit me.
1: Oh I got the drumstick. Yes. Be careful. No, it's just uh that's just our dynamic at this point. God when you've known somebody for coming up on fifty years. I think it started because we like people used to make fun of us, man. Like people
2: fucking made fun of us. They did not like we were we were not a respected or enjoyed band. And we got made fun of a lot. What did they say about the sub teens? Um, I remember I found I just made we were in a practice space in and in a storage unit. When we were, when back in the '90s, when everybody rehearsed in storage units, and I f- there was another band or two bands we were sharing the storage unit with, and someone had written down on a piece of paper how to play guitar like Mark Aiken, and it was like, <laughs> leave your guitar in the snow for three days, <laughs> and it, I mean, it, this was an orchestrated like. Somebody put some thought into so they it. They Put some yeah. thought into it, and it, t- it took time, you know, just to physically <laughs> they write. bother to write it down, right? <laughs> on like a clean sheet of paper, you and know, hang it
1: on a practice space. But wild.
2: they didn't hang it; they'd hit it, and I was oh, like right. rummaging through some shit, and they found, and it, uh, so you know, I mean, sometimes it, it, it stung. It stung <laughs> to know that to begin to play guitar with, like me.
1: Maybe the, they drove you to the launch game.
2: point is to leave your guitar in the snow for three days. <laughs> um, I don't remember the insults, but I remember they were plentiful. And so I think we just started insulting each other because it's, you know, faster that way.
1: I definitely remember uh, that sort of thing of like, uh, make fun of yourself before anybody yeah. else can. Which has worked well for us.
2: It's, it's just fun. Like, what's the point of being in a band if you're not going to have fun? Like, seriously, there's no point in doing this if it's not fun. <clears throat> and if you you have to laugh. Don't take it too seriously. I don't care how good you are. You're, you know, it's just a rock song. It's just a rock song. Don't take it too seriously. Just have fun. And at the same time, you know, you want to, you want to create the best product that you can, and you you don't want to waste people's time or money. But I think it's important to remember that just joke around and have fun.
0: I know most of the bands that I've been in usually has the one person in the band that everybody picks on, mm-hmm. but you guys spread it out very evenly. We do.
1: We spread the abuse out evenly. Mm-hmm. Equal opportunity abusers. Yeah. users.
0: In most bands I've been in, it's always the bass player, so I guess that's, that's <laughs> yeah. lucky for you, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... that's a... I get my fair share. Well, before we turn off the recording, there's something I would like to do, and I think that we all... We, for, we need to stand up. Oh, God. Everyone stand, and we're going to sing together in unity. <laughs> I know what we're singing. Me too. One, two, three. Memphis Harding School's our treasure. That's our Christian joy and pride.
2: Tis our service, Just our, our endeavor. We will ever love and cherish
1: thee until
2: eternity.
0: Go Lions! And you know what? That was without musical accompaniment, as God intended. As written. Wow. That's the show. Thank you to Mark and Jay from the sub-teens. Thank you to Graham Burks for hosting us in your studio. Thank you to Arthur with two H's for the opening theme. Thank you to Joey Pegram for the closing theme. Thank you for listening. For music, news, and episode archives, visit backtothelight.net. And until next time, take care, y'all. Back to the Light Podcast Network at backtothelight.net. We're chattering.
2: You're no better than I am. We're chattering. We're chattering. We're (laughs) chattering. That's a fucking
1: (laughs) dog. Well, so do you still need to get levels or? (laughs) We look over and he's just going... (laughs) All right, podcast recorded. (laughs) And that's a wrap. Cut.
2: We're golden. (laughs)